the Slaughter in May podcast. Hello and welcome. I'm Robert Chaplin, one of Slaughter and May's corporate insurance partners. With me is Beth Dobson, who is PSL counsel for our insurance group. In this podcast, we are going to talk about the UK onshoring of Solvency 2 and what the future of prudential regulation of insurance in the UK might look like. Our Solvency 2 app has been fully updated to reflect the end of the Brexit transition period. If you don't already have the app, please email solvency.2, that's solvency.two, at slaughteranmay.com to request access. As at March 2021, the UK prudential regime for insurers remains largely unchanged from the European Solvency II regime. For this reason, we have called this podcast UK Solvency II, as what we currently have in the UK is a version of the Solvency II regime. We will come on to how this may change in the coming months and years. The approach we have taken in updating the app is to retain the commentary on the European regime, but to supplement this where necessary with references to the UK versions of the relevant rules. We continue to use Solvency II as a general term, which encompasses the prudential regimes currently applying in both the UK and Europe. So what exactly makes up UK Solvency II? At the end of the Brexit transition period, all directly applicable European legislation forming part of the Solvency II regime was onshored into UK law as a result of the Withdrawal Act. The Solvency II directive itself had already been transposed into UK law, largely through the 2015 Solvency II regulations and the PRA rulebook. The most important piece of directly applicable legislation is what is generally known as the Level 2 Delegated Regulation, which sets out most of the detail of the regime. As part of the onshoring process, statutory instruments introduced amendments to the Level 2 Delegated Regulation and other onshored legislation to make them suitable for the post-Brexit environment. Changes included those necessary to reflect the fact that European jurisdictions are third countries for the purposes of the UK version of the regime and to transfer powers exercised by EOPA to UK authorities. Similar amendments have also been made to FISMA, the Solvency II regulations and the PRA rulebook provisions which transposed aspects of the Solvency II directive. Some of these changes will not, however, have immediate effect, as the PRA issued a transitional direction in December 2020, which postponed most onshoring amendments affecting firms until April 2022 to allow time for firms to adapt. One change which does have immediate effect is that there will no longer be any mutual recognition of insurance business transfer schemes between the UK and the EU, and the UK Part 7 regime will in future be essentially domestic in nature. This is subject to an exception for future transfer schemes, which had already been commenced before the end of the transition period. The Bank of England and the PRA have assumed most of the powers which are exercised by EOPA at a European level under Solvency II. This includes powers to make equivalence determinations and to calculate and publish technical information necessary for calculating insurance liabilities. The onshoring process has provided a quick and easy fix to ensure continuity of insurance regulation as we exited the EU. It has, however, 
left the UK with a somewhat cumbersome combination of PRA rules and onshored amended legislation, which has not been formally consolidated, although online providers such as Westlaw have filled this gap. We expect that this situation will be ultimately resolved by the regime being largely imported into the PRA rulebook. Some substantive changes are likely to be made along the way. The future insurance regulatory regime in the UK will be determined largely by the outcome of two consultations, initial stages of both of which concluded in February. These are the Future Regulatory Framework Review and the call for evidence on Solvency II, which will combine to result in proposals for an updated and hopefully integrated regulatory regime. The Future Regulatory Framework Review, of course, applies to more than just the insurance sector. The outcomes of these consultations are expected sometime in the second quarter of this year. There are clear indications in both consultations that Treasury wants to explore the ways in which the insurance sector can be encouraged through changes in regulation to support government objectives such as sustainable investment and investment in infrastructure. In the introduction to the call for evidence, Treasury states that the review is underpinned by three objectives. First, to spur a vibrant, innovative and internationally competitive insurance sector. Second, to uphold high standards of policyholder protection and promote the safety and soundness of firms. And third, to support insurance firms to provide long-term capital to underpin growth including investment in infrastructure, venture capital and growth equity, and other long-term productive assets, as well as investments consistent with the government's climate change objectives. In the future regulatory framework review, Treasury proposes a greater role for Parliament in setting policy objectives to be followed by the regulators. It suggests that the policy framework legislation for insurance might among other things, require the PRA in its regulation of insurers to be obliged to have regard to the role of insurance business in facilitating sustainable growth in the UK economy, the socially important role that a viable and sustainable life insurance sector plays in retirement provision in the UK, and the desirability of innovation in insurance to help maintain the UK's leading position as a centre for excellence in insurance, reinsurance and alternative risk transfer. The review also envisages that the future regulatory framework would see the majority of requirements set out in the regulator's rule books, an approach which is supported by the PRA, as indicated, for example, in Sam Woods's recent speech to the ABI. In that speech, Mr Woods commented more generally on the future of insurance regulation and reflected on the recent consultations. His comments about Treasury's objectives in the call for evidence on Solvency II are interesting and arguably somewhat inconsistent. He stated that he supports the objectives, including the desire to spur a vibrant, innovative and internationally competitive insurance sector, but is wary of calls to encourage specific forms of investment with prudential regulatory incentives which he says is usually a polite code 
for lowering capital requirements. He also expressed scepticism about the amount of capital which the ABI suggested could be freed up for insurers as a result of the UK Solvency II review. The PRA clearly does not want to see significantly lower capital requirements for insurers, and it should be remembered in this context that the PRA was to an extent one of the principal architects of the Solvency II regime, along with other European regulators. There is a degree of tension here between government objectives and the approach of the PRA, perhaps not in terms of the shape of the future regime, but in some of the important details. Areas which are likely to see changes as a result of the review are the operation of the risk margin, which the PRA agrees is not fit for purpose, rules around asset availability for the matching adjustment, and possibly some further simplifications of reporting requirements. I mentioned earlier that some changes to the UK Solvency II regime resulting from Brexit have been effectively postponed until April 2022. Ultimately, however, there will be a number of consequences for firms arising out of the UK leaving the EU, regardless of any changes which the government may or may not choose to make to the domestic regime. These include European assets will no longer necessarily receive favourable treatment under the standard formula for calculating capital requirements for UK insurers, and vice versa, although in some cases this will be preserved provided the relevant jurisdiction is an OECD country. European reinsurers will be treated as third country undertakings for risk mitigation purposes under the UK regime and vice versa. Under the UK regime, European reinsurers will be treated as subject to equivalent supervision, but no decisions on UK equivalents have yet been made by the EU. And European entities will be third country undertakings for group solvency and group supervision purposes under the UK regime and vice versa. Again, the UK has granted EU jurisdictions equivalence for group solvency and group supervision purposes, but this hasn't yet happened in reverse. Equivalence is, of course, a thorny topic when it comes to the future of UK insurance regulation. The UK view is that, given we have onshored the entire Solvency II regime, equivalence should be straightforward. The EU is concerned about future divergence, but no other jurisdictions which have been granted equivalence have formally committed not to make changes to their regimes. Equivalence can, in any event, be withdrawn at any time, and it is therefore questionable whether basing the future UK regime on a desire for or expectation of equivalence determinations from the EU is advisable. Equivalence is also not a substitute for the passport previously enjoyed by UK firms in transacting business on a cross-border basis into the EU. As mentioned, HM Treasury appears to be keen to create a future regime which is appropriate to the needs of the UK market and which will promote the competitiveness of the UK insurance sector. The PRA is more cautious about the desirability of moving too far away from existing capital rules. It seems to us that neither government nor the PRA necessarily considers equivalence to be the key factor in considering possible changes to UK Solvency II. This brings us to the end of this podcast. If you have any questions about anything we have mentioned or any other aspects of Solvency II, please get in touch with either of us or your usual contact at Slaughter and May. For more information on this topic or to hear our other podcasts, 
please visit www.slaughterandmay.com. You can also subscribe to the Slaughter and May podcast on iTunes or Google Play.